What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the I Choose series podcast. This next episode was originally aired on our Facebook Live, January 31st, 2019. This episode is really special to me because we had an opportunity to interview a guy by the name of Matthew Sanchez. Now, Matthew is 36 years old, uh, but I've known Matt since he was nine. We actually lived in a house together called the St. Francis House in Brooklyn, New York. Matthew talks about growing up poor, in the ghetto, bouncing from foster care to foster care, and being abused as a child, and how he's been able to overcome all of these challenges and difficulties. It's a really inspirational, powerful episode about somebody who is just not going to be held back by anything or anyone. I'm very, very excited for you to listen to this podcast. I hope you gain some tremendous value from it, knowing that you too can pretty much bounce back from anything. Well, without further ado, here's Matthew. All right, so uh, grew up in Brooklyn, um, had a... Uh, two brothers, two sisters, uh, grew up uh, poor, uh, poor on welfare. Uh, mom was a heroin addict. I uh, don't even know my dad. I met once when I was 25. Supposedly, he's been around for years, but if I don't remember him, he wasn't there. So that's that, that always was my view of him. Um, moved back and forth from ghetto to ghetto. Um, mom caught HIV, passed away when I was nine due to AIDS. And um, at that time I met our dad, uh, Joseph Campo, shout out. And um, he met me at my mom's funeral. I had no shoes on my feet. And uh, you know, that was uh, the first act of kindness that I've uh, experienced in, since I was a kid, you know? And I didn't know how to take that. And uh, it's weird still to this day, you know, I still don't know how to take acts of kindness. I'm like awkward with it, especially around Christmas. But um, uh, after she passed away, I uh, I went to a, a well foster home. Didn't really work out well. Had a bunch of anger problems. So, you know, they were uh, they weren't ready for it. You know, a kid from the ghetto. And uh, you know, I still try to re- I try to find them on through like technology just to say thanks to trying. But you know. You're talking, You're talking about your foster parents. Yeah, my old, like my first, like foster families that tried to to hold it down, but I was just too okay, angry, so, you know. So nine years old, mom passes away, don't know dad, no shoes on your feet, and for, you go to foster family and anger anger issues. You got problems, you got drama going on. and Yeah, uh, I was an abused kid, so that's that's what happens when uh, when you're told I love you and then you get punched in the face. <laughs> And that's that's kind of how I how I grew up, you know, and those are one of the struggles that I had to eventually get over in life or else you can't form relationships if that's how you view everybody. And, uh, you know, I know I got sidetracked, but that's one of the things you, I still deal with to this day. You know, I'm 36 years old and if I don't stop learning it, you know, I'll digress. And that's that's never pretty, you know, when you sink into that mind frame. So you got to keep busy. But um. Yeah, foster homes, went into a group home. Um, my neighbor across the street found out that I was in a group home. She swooped me up and took me in. She's like, how could this happen to a 10-year-old? And, uh, you know, she's been my mom. You know, I called her mom ever since. You know, she's earned that title and that respect. And, you know, her kids are, are my brother and sister. 
I'm uh, my foster sister. I'm her, uh, you know, my nephew's godfather, which is awesome, you know. And, yeah, that's uh, cool, man. Yeah, and, like, just seeing him, like, I see some of myself, you know, the good and the bad, and I'm like, he's going to turn out okay, you know. <laughs> I got to give him one of these, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, after the foster home, I uh, I turned 18, got out of high school, moved into the St. Francis house. Cause I knew I needed, I knew I needed, uh, extra help, uh, mm. if in those terms, you know, uh, discipline, making sure I wake up in the morning, not being depressed. If I'm depressed, we're going to talk about it. And if we're really de- talking about it, then there's going to be an intervention and those things were, <laughs> whoa, man. But I realized like that was, that was stuff I needed because growing up the way I did, I'm so used to abandonment. So when you have a group of people like a support system that was faith-based, you know, wake, I never woke up in the morning to go to pray. And, uh, you know, I wasn't always awake for the morning prayers because I'm still, you know, I was still learning, you know, but, uh, you know, your dad always said, man, you're the only guy I knew. You go to church and you knew all the movements with your eyes closed. And like, my eyes were closed. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you a question. So how did you, so you, you're 18 years old and you move into this house in Brooklyn called the St. Francis house. Now you and I actually both were in this house together for, for quite some time. And I'm wondering like, um, you know, before we get into all the fun stuff, what was what was it like? Like, what were you thinking when you first moved in? I mean, was it something you had wanted for a while? And if so, why? It was it was something I, like my brother went there. And uh, when I was younger, I had a problem with following people instead of being my own leader, you know. Mm. And I knew since my brother was there, I wanted to be like my brother, you know. And at the time, you know, we have a great relationship now. But at the time, you know, he wasn't doing so hot. And that was my role model, you know, and that's that's how I wanted to be. And I moved into the house with the mindset that I'm going to be my brother. And your dad, Joseph Campo, said, no, 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 no. You know, you're you're your own person. You know, you're my, uh, he told me that God took the best of my mom, the best of my dad and made me. And uh, that's kind of how I, I still view my life, you know, because I, I have to I have to think that I'm going to amount to something great because. I always thought I wasn't going to be anything. It was either like dead or in jail if if I didn't get my act together, especially mm. if I didn't calm down, you know, my uh, my anger and my depression because that can lead to anything. And when drugs and alcohol run in your family, that's that's the quickest fix. And I made sure to avoid all that. But if I didn't move into the house, you know, I, I knew that's where my life would have headed. So that's why I decided to really move in and take the next steps forward, even though I knew it was going to be hard. You know, and the hardest things aren't always the easiest. Yeah. So what were the, what was what was it like like as far as the Saint Francis house for people who don't know? Again, we're talking with Matthew Sanchez. Um, his his doesn't know his dad. His mom passed away when he was nine years old through foster care. Um, family has a history of drug and alcohol, substance abuse, and you know he's arriving at eighteen um, at a at a group home called the Saint Francis house. I was, so, I was 18 physically, but mentally I was like probably 15, 14, not very developed yet, very yeah. antisocial. Yeah. 
And so you move into the house and, you know, you're moving in this house. How many guys are in the house? Oh, I don't know. It, it varied. It depends on who got kicked out or not, because not everybody knew how to follow the rules. But um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> there was usually, there was around, there were actually two houses, but the St. Francis house, there's probably. About... Say that again. There's about how many? Oh, no, I lost you. Can you hear me okay? If you can hear me, I cannot hear you. Yeah, no, I don't speak sign language. <clears throat> Can't hear you. I can read your lips, but, you know, if you go into, like, a full-on sentence or paragraph, I don't think I'll be able to, to read the whole, the whole story. <laughs> Do you want me to pop you out and then see if I can get you back in? unable to really decipher what it is that you're saying so it looks like that has left <laughs> so we'll bring him back in, in a second guys sorry about that let's see if we can bring him back in here in a second so again Matt, you are gonna have to turn your phone horizontal for me to add you <clears throat> otherwise it won't let me all right there we go sorry about that everybody <clears throat> it's pretty cold up here in the northeast and um definitely had some connection issues lately so we'll just wait for matt to pop back in matt are you there yeah awesome dude. yeah so right where we left you off pay for we... internet and it doesn't work <laughs> so right where you we pay left... for oil you got a cold house right where we left off man we were talking about um how many guys were in the house you said well it depended on you know who was getting kicked out um was it yeah, hard it... to live in that house it's hard if you make it hard it's it's hard if you don't know how to follow steps and follow rules. You know, if you want to be, you know, the bad boy, you know, you're not you're not going to make it. You you go into that house knowing that you need help. And um you know, it it was hard at times oh, because like as you get older and your mind starts to develop, you're like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm fine." And it's like the person that takes medication and they think they're fine, so they stop taking it and before you know it, they're like, "Whoa, how to get here?" That's how it kind of was in the house, you know. The house was like yeah. medication because you're getting that support. And the moment you think you're on top of the ladder, as your dad always said, you know, there's only one place left to go. And I usually found myself there, you know, flat down on the on the floor looking at it like, all right, here I am again. <laughs> Time to get yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. It so, was, dude, it was I mean. The hardest part. Yeah. No, well, keep, keep, keep going. No, I was going to say the hardest part was was keeping my head up and not like. And, like, getting out of depression, that was the hardest thing, was making sure I walk with my head up. Yeah. I was always walking my head down. You know, we spoke last week with um, with a guy named Molotov Mitchell. It was a great interview, and he was talking about depression and the darkness and how it pretty much overcame him. Um, and he actually succumbed to taking his own life. As far as depression is concerned, man, how did you, how did you deal with it back then? Um... A lot of it had to do with a uh, with comedy, uh, especially living in that house. You know, you had to you're in a house with guys, you know, and there's a lot of testosterone going in there and a lot of ego and a lot of pride. But my thing was like, I'm going to make people laugh, you know, and when I make people laugh, there was something like I got back in return to know, like, I'm doing something good. I'm getting a positive reaction from somebody. 
you know, because I'm so I'm so used to negative. That's how I was growing up, you know. Um, but I do get a lot of my um, my comedy, like my my sense of humor and stuff from from my brother Ralph. You know, he was a uh, he always made me laugh. You know, and still to this day, he's like makes me crack up. But I when I found myself down, there were times like I purposely put myself in front of people. And not to like, I wouldn't speak or anything, but just to be next to somebody, if that mm. makes sense, because it's like, I didn't want to be alone, even though I wanted to be alone. Like, it never made sense in my head. You know, it's like, why do I want to feel a connection with somebody? But why do I feel so angry and want to be alone? And when I lived in the house, you know, it kind of made everything come together. You know, it's like, no, you're going to go in the kitchen and you're going to cook with the rest of the guys because if you cook, you don't clean. And still to this day, Matt Sanchez don't like cleaning. Matthew Levinson Sanchez, my, I took my wife's last name too. We share everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, um, I've never heard of that in my life. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hey, let's spice it up, make it crazy. That's what I said on a, on a wedding. But... um. <laughs> No, what you know, it's I, I also too when I lived in the house, I made myself work retail because when you work retail and you want to make money, you have to talk to people, mm. and that's kind of, that's kind of where I learned my like my gift of gab, I guess you can say, and it really it really broke me out of my shell because when you work in Manhattan, you're talking to everybody, people from Africa, people from you know places, you know, and uh. The more I lived in the house and we traveled, when I saw somebody in the talk in Africa, I'm like, I was in Africa. <laughs> when I see now, when I go to, Al when someone's like, oh, I'm Albanian, I was like, I went to Albania. They're like, did you like it? I'm like, I thought it was going to get robbed, but it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, awesome. uh, also, the, also, the biggest part that got me out of it was, uh, was uh, your dad. You know, he, uh, we've had many, many, many deep talks and uh my shell was totally gone you know thanks to him because mm. he it was someone i trusted especially a male like trusting guys in my life was the hardest thing because every male i knew let me down or was negative and then you know your dad was the positive thing keeping me together and then um you know as i got older and became my own self i kind of <laughs> I kind of sunk into my anger because I let other people mislead me. And uh, I actually left the house on bad terms as, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that though. I was uh, stuck in my own pride. and uh, I relapsed. That's, I had a mental relapse into that anger and um, I let people influence me again. And I forgot all those years from 18 to 25. I was like, wow, you really forgot where you came from. And that was the hardest part because then I really slipped into depression. I I lost weight. I wanted, I was like 125, you know, when I left the house, like skin and bones, not eating. And I missed everybody. And the hardest thing was getting over my pride and asking for forgiveness from people. Like, I'm sorry. Like I messed up, you know, and I realized when you say sorry and you mean it, people forgive you. And I'm like, Man, I wasted all those years and all I had to do was say sorry. So now, you know, I'm quick to say sorry, but I mean it, you know, but I I I uh I realize things faster now because my my brain doesn't always process right and it still doesn't. And the moment I think that it processes right, I know I'm down for some failure <laughs> in the future. 
<laughs> so you um so you went to this house and you let you left the house. Yeah. And what happened after you left? What happened after you left? Uh, I moved to Florida, moved back with my mom in Long Beach. You know, here's this this grown man moving back in with mommy, living in a basement. You know, and then um, I had a place, and then um, Hurricane Sandy came. And uh, washed everything away. It was kind of like a baptism of sorts because I was like, I got to do something with my life. And I joined the army. That's the really main reason why I joined the army was um, I uh, I watched everything get washed away. I was down on my luck. I was in a car crying and I saw a Humvee walk like drive by and a soldier waved at me. And I was like, I can do that. You know, I need to help somebody out because I've had people always helping me out. So let me do the the least selfish thing and give my life, you know, for for other people because they give their life for me. And um, that really changed me, like, Mm. in my heart because I was – every day I wake up, I put my uniform on, and I realize, like, I'm doing this for somebody else. I'm not doing it for college. I'm not doing it for money. You know, I'm doing it to help people out. And uh, I got a second family there, you know, and uh, another support group. You always have to have support. Like, if excuse me, if you if you don't have support, you know, especially when you're battling depression and and everything else, you know, you it's it's easy to fall. You know, um, my brother passed away. My brother Jim passed away a few months ago, and uh, if I didn't if if I didn't have that support, like my wife called up my buddy from the army. He came down. My sister Sarah came, my coworker Rishma came down the same day. And they knew that I was in bad form and I didn't want to talk, but they were just there to be there. And mm-hmm. um it remind it like it reminded me what I had, like in the house. Like when you go through stuff, people are there, you know, when when you're down on your luck. And uh, you know, just recently too, just my, my uh one of my sergeants, Sergeant Fontaine. You know, he took his life two years ago, and uh, his anniversary was this month. And it's like, man, this is, like, hurting. So one of the things I did to get out of my mind was I did demolition in my bathroom. I ripped down all the walls. I ripped, you know, the bathtub out the toilet. And I'm like, now I'm going to rebuild something better. And that's kind of what I did with my life. You know, I, I ripped everything apart, and now I'm rebuilding. Yeah. For anyone who's just tuning in, we are um... – <clears throat> We're speaking with Matt Sanchez. Um, he's talking about depression, living in the ghetto for some of his life. Um, he's explaining how he gets through it every day. And Matt, I have to say, I think that you know your honesty and like your vulnerability. I think that's what really makes you like this genuine person that everybody loves. You know, I mean, you have you have a really beautiful you know thing about you where it is this honesty and this willingness to be vulnerable. And really just not give a shit what other people think. I feel like we're at a place where we have a lot of people who are suffering um, with this idea that other people's opinions of them matter. You know, would well, you say one, that's that that's true I'm, or no? Or Yeah, no, that's that's one thing I'm I'm trying to uh, to teach my wife. You know, uh, she lets other people like affect her, you know, and that's one thing. She's like, how do you like, how do you not let things bother you? I'm like. You not know what I went through. I don't give a shit. What pe- like, like I'm I'm scared to have kids because everybody's so opinionated. And I'm like, here's this guy who's like, people are like, what do you think about this? I'm like, 
I don't give a crap. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't follow the, all this stuff because it, it, it's, it's negative. You know, I don't, I don't surround myself with negative. And if I've dropped negative friends, you know, I, if there's negative situations, I just don't involve myself. I'd rather be home with my dog than go out, you know, with a group of people because it's just, at least I know when I'm with my dog, nothing bad can happen, you know? And that's, yeah. that's, that's how I am. You know, I'm, I'm honest now because it's, I've been lied to my whole life. I've lied to people most of my life. I started believing in my own lies. Uh, that was one of the things why, like, when I left the house, it was, I was feeding myself lies. I was speaking to myself and I'm like, man, there is something really mentally wrong with you <laughs> if you can believe your own lies. And then I'm like trying to decipher, like, was I lying about this or was this truth? And like, I confuse myself sometimes. I'm like, man, like, <laughs> how could I have, how could I have, how could I have stooped so low? But I think those are growing pains. And I think that is, that is what made me the way I am today. Cause if I, if I didn't go through, if I wasn't raised the way I was with all the hardship and everything, I wouldn't have turned out the way I am, you know, and who knows how I would have turned out. I could have been someone totally different. So when people are like, oh man, that sucks. Your mom died. I'm like, no, like. It, it doesn't, you know, it happened when I was nine, I'm 36 and I'm a man now, you know? Mm. And, uh, I feel like her, her death, you know, God rest my mom was like the stepping stone for me having a better future because had she not passed away, I don't think any of us would have made it out of where we were. And that's mm. one thing that like, that's one thing that keeps me going too. Is like, if I mess up, I can't let my mom down because I love my mom. And it's like, if I fail, I feel like I'm failing her. You know, and uh, nobody wants to fail. So everybody needs a goal, I feel, to achieve. And if my my goal is to die and go to heaven so I can meet my mom again, that's kind of how I'm going to live my life. You know, I do have faith and I do have that that knowledge of God, you know, of, you know, I got to I got to believe that I, I have too many too many family members up there to to not believe because that's that's eventually that's my end game you know is live a good life and then live the best life once i go up there and uh you know celebrate this life i feel like this life is just it's it's temporary it's it's temporary you know and i make the most of it until you know yeah. later on yeah guys we're talking again with matthew sanchez became an orphan orphan at nine years old um his mom died of hiv um, she was a heroin addict, and Matt's explaining how he gets through life. If you know somebody who's kind of struggling or could, you know, benefit from this conversation, please, you know, tag them or share this this video as we go even deeper. Marsha makes a comment here. She says, I think God forges us into saints by the struggles and hurdles in our life. Um, what do you think about that? I'm named, I'm named after a saint, so, I mean, I guess she's right, but uh, no. Um... <laughs> No, you know, you know what it is like my me, my relationship with God is always a back and forth. You know, mm. I'm not I wouldn't say I'm super religious or I'm anti-religious, but I speak with God. You know, I have conversations with him. I don't I don't pray. You know, I just I talk to him like I'm I'm talking to you right now. You know, ask him what the deal is. What's going on? Why is this happening? You yeah. know, I, I don't ask for signs like when I was younger, I'd be like, show me a sign, you know, and I'm like. That's 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 not how it works. That's not how faith works, you know, and I realized my signs were your dad getting me shoes on my feet. Signs were, you know, 
reconnecting with you, you know, after, after, you know, messing up and realizing that, you know, uh, what's, what's that one thing, uh, the prodigal son, like, mm. that's how I felt like, you know, I just crapped on everybody. And it's like carrying with my head down. And, you know, you put your arm around my shoulder, you know, at a, at a rehearsal dinner, you know, gave me the biggest hug. And it was just like, I'm getting me, I'm getting teary eyed thinking about it. it's like, you were like my my best friend, you know, and it's like, man, I lost my best friend. And then when I, when I got my, yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell people, you know how many times I busted into this guy's room to catch him singing? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, everybody. Yes, it is true. <laughs> but there was, there was plenty of times I invited you. Yeah, but I never joined because I was depressed. No way, I man. We had some. I, I, I came on my time. That's that's how it worked. That's how it used to work for me. <laughs> oh man, I'm, man, I'm looking at some of the. I'm listening, looking at some of the comments here. We've got um, prayer is a conversation with God. So you are praying. Um, that's exactly what prayer is. Um, a lot of a lot of comments on the prayer the prayer stuff here. I'm wondering. Um, when you're talking to God and, you know, coming from where you came from and having this, you know, having, having the drama that you've had and stuff, um, do you ever lose faith? No. Um, after, it's not that I lose it. It just gets a bit shaky. You know, when my brother Jim died, I kind of, it wasn't a conversation. Like, it was a one-way anger trip you know, mm. toward God, because I'm like, how did my brother call me and then two days later pass away? How did I mess his phone call and now he's gone? You know, how how is it that he was talking about, hey, I'm going to help you rebuild your bathroom. And now he, I can't even hear his voice anymore, you yeah. know, and it was. It's one of those things like you it's hard talking about because you can't really get over that, you know, and it's, 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 it's hard to keep your faith when that, when something like that happens that sudden, you know, <laughs> where you're about to get married and just a few months before, you know, your brother's, your brother passes away, you know, three, three kids, three kids, a wife going to dialysis, you know, going to work, sh struggling, you know, he made his mistakes, you know, everybody does, but, to, to not hear his voice anymore. That's, I still, I listened to his voicemail the other day that he left me on the phone. And, you know, it's one of those things like, I'll never delete it because that's, that's all I have left. I don't, I wasn't able to say bye to my mom before she died. And, uh, it, it got to me a little, but I realized that I have support and, you know, my wife would never let me be depressed. I mean, she'll, <laughs> She's a tough cookie, you know. She uh, she inspires me, you know. Mm -hmm. She she helps. She's a teacher. She helps kids like me who've been going through stuff. And she goes, she's like their counselor in a, in a way, you know. And I have to make sure I'm strong because when she's having a bad day, I have to be there to support her. And a marriage won't work if there's if there's two people who are having a bad day because then it's like. All right, somebody's got to give because somebody needs a hug and we have to get over this somehow, you know. Mm. And uh, 
most of the time it's it's me you know and um and that's where i'm like you know what thanks god you know like thanks for keeping me strong or you know thanks thanks for letting me get out of my bed this morning you know and beat depression because i'm like that's that's what i always said i'm like when people battling depression i'm like did you get out of bed today they're like yeah i'm like all right then you won you know <laughs> the moment that, well, that's let the me, thing. Let me like ask you a question, Matt. Like, what what advice would you give to someone, you know, who's growing up in the ghetto, um, being an orphan, an orphan? What did you learn from your experience? Uh, my one thing is is um, don't listen to, don't watch shows about, and it's it's don't watch shows about people going up through the ghetto. Don't listen to anybody. If the moment somebody says something, anything remotely negative, just cut them out of your life. Really, you know, you only want to surround yourself with people who are going to help you. Um, it's easy to it's easy to fall into a to negativity. It's harder to to get yourself out. You know, don't don't be that statistic. They usually say people who grew up the way I grew up, especially you know, oh, if you grew up this way and that way, you're going to turn out this way. You're going to be a thief. You're going to be a murderer. You're going to do this and that. And my thing was, you know, prove everybody wrong. That's that's one thing. It's like. If you're going through something, prove to everybody, but mostly, you know, prove to yourself that like, yo, I can do this. You know, if it's if it's going up and going for a walk in the freezing cold, if it's getting up to even just throw out the garbage instead of letting it pile up, do your dishes. You know, that was one thing that in the house, you know, if you didn't do the dishes, guess what? They're going to be under your blankets and that's what you're going to walk into. And that was one thing that I was taught. And that, and that was one thing, like... <laughs> That was something I was taught, though, and it's like you you just gotta you gotta keep putting your next foot forward, you know, and realize that you're gonna fall at one point. It, it's gonna happen. Make sure you mm. know that you're gonna fall at some point. That way, you have your backup. Like, hey, listen, I knew this was gonna happen. Here's my con. I can't even pronounce the word, so I'm not gonna say it. But here's my backup plan, you know. And this is <laughs> you 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 gotta have a plan B. You gotta have a you gotta expect to fall. You got to expect did you, to fail and you got to expect to get over it. When this stuff was going on, man, did you, um, did you, you know, jump into like drugs and stuff? No, I, uh, I never got into drugs, uh, smoke weed, but, um, that was, that was one of the fads, you know, like, oh, hmm. I'm going to smoke, you know, and it was always around, but other drugs I, I, I knew I had to avoid because I knew that. If I fell in, if I start, there's no stopping. You know, it's like I said, that's, it seems like drugs are the easy way out for people who go through depression and anger and stuff. Like if I do enough drugs, I won't be feeling this way, but guess what? You won't be feeling much of anything, you know? Mm. And I, I, I love life too much. And if I got into drugs, I would think that I'm becoming my, my mom or my non, you know, my father who wasn't there or you know, abusive people in my life. And, and that's not who I was. And I left the drugs for, for other people in the family, you know, and uh, I want to do my own thing. Laughter, like comedy and stuff, that was my drug of choice. Um, I I don't know. I just, it, it's weird to say, like, making people laugh was like, it was addictive. You know, you got, you got, you got your high that way. And I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, because I feel like, you're giving something and somebody's reciprocating happiness. So, I mean, if your drug is happiness, then, you know, I think I, I did a good job. I think I make people laugh still and make people happy. Who knows? Maybe someone's smiling on the other end of the phone. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, you know what? 
That's a contact high. <laughs> That's funny. Um, let me see here. There was a question, and now it's scrolled gone here. Um, Megan says, I've been following this for a while after a friend suggested. I think this series is going to be so much bigger than anyone realizes yet. Absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you, Megan. Um, there was a comment here, and I'm just trying to find it. Let's see if I can if I can pull it up while it's on here. I like your wall. You like that? Thanks, man. I worked really hard. Yeah, on I got that. a fish tank with I got a fish tank with no fish in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That is funny. <laughs> well, I mean, for everyone who's just tuning in, we're speaking with Matt Sanchez. He's kind of sharing his life experience of growing up in the hood. Um, his mother passing away at the age of nine, not knowing his dad, moving around from foster care, you know, foster family to foster family, finally winding up in a group home in Brooklyn called the St. Francis House, where Matt and I actually lived together for, my goodness, Matt, how many years was it? Uh, 18 to 25, so uh, that's math. So I'm good at I'm good at uh, other stuff, like working out, math, not so much. No. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I would say that that was like, you know, almost <laughs> eight, eight years, seven years together. Yeah, that we lived together, but known each other for uh, 26. Yeah, totally. Jeez, man. So, dude, I mean, what would you, you know, for people out there who are struggling with depression and stuff, I mean, you know, what, um, what would you say to somebody? Uh, there's hope. There's always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, you know. Uh, if you're like, I, I remember, I remember your dad told me this once, and this is something I still think about. Because I remember telling him all I see. I remember telling him all I see is darkness. He's like, "Do you see any light?" I'm like, "Yes." You know, he's like, "That's all." He's like, "Think about it. You could be surrounded by darkness, but all you see is the light." And that's mm -hmm. that's that's kind of how I how I think of. That's how I pull myself out. You know, because it's darkness is easy to get into. As long as you have a little bit of light, that's the hope. You know, don't mm. ever let that flutter away. And and that's one thing I get pulled toward the light. And uh, that's not like a metaphor for like, you know, heaven. But it's I guess it's God kicking my ass in a way like, hey, you got to get out of this. You know, like <laughs> I didn't I didn't name you the gift of God for 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 no reason. You know, go out and make people laugh. Go out and, and do something. And I. I always try to stay busy. I always, I'm always busy. That's that's one thing I'm I'm always keeping myself busy. Like if Veronica, Veronica my, asks a question. What's the way to change someone's way of wording things less scary when they've been through a lot? Oh wow, how to change somebody's wording? I'm trying to decipher that question. Like how to break it down into layman's terms. Hmm. So less scary. What is what does that mean? Um. Let's say, see here. So I'll read it again. again. I'll read it again. Yeah. What's I, What's the way to change someone's way of wording things less scary when they've been through a lot? Oh, I got it. Um. Every, it's it's difficult, you know. Um. Like uh, I was abused when I was a kid, you know. And uh, in in every way, and uh, there's there's a lot of scary things that you know that that I like think of, you know, and it's it's weird, like stuff that you could think of, but and 
I got to read that question. I got to, that's a tough question. That's a tough one. (laughs) All right, we'll come back, Veronica. Um, All right. Kenny writes, I'm going to think about that. Kenny writes, Matt right now is my light. We'll need him in a few months. Is that Kenny Toey? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's, uh, that kid saved my life, believe it or not. Uh, Yeah, uh, in high, not high school, but like when I was still living in the house, Sorry, Joe. Well, Joe probably knows this. If not, now he's going to know. I got really, really drunk. Like, I drank a lot. Like, I hit rock bottom. I drank so much that I completely blacked out, and I didn't remember anything. And uh, Kenny took care of me. You know, Kenny made sure I was okay. Kenny cleaned up my mess. Kenny apologized to people for me. And uh, he pulled me out of a, a dark place, you know. And Kenny was one of those people that, like, like you, you know, and like people in the house that like, I pushed away out of anger and stuff. And like, I apologized to him numerous times, you know, and, and we, we, we reconnected and like, he's one of my best friends, you know, it's, and it's, you know, he was at my wedding, you know, I was at his wedding. I danced the whole night at his wedding. I was like the unpaid party dancer guy, but, um, (laughs) You know, it's, I realize like, that's, that's one of the people that, you know, if he said that I'm gonna have to be there for him, you know what, like, I will drop anything, you know, to make sure that I'm there for him. Mm. But, um, so Matt is basically saying that find something positive in everything. You have to, you have to, like, uh, (laughs) it's silly, but I opened my fridge and I'm like, man, one beer, but I'm like, all right, well, I know I'm not getting drunk tonight, so I'll just drink one beer and I'll milk it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, you... All right, Veronica, she, she came back in here and says, I tend to sound scary right. in conversations or disrespectful, but it's because for me, it was deadly. Uh, I just need to be less wrapped in fear, even though it was real. Oh, all right. Now I understand. Um, when When speaking about things, not everyone's going to understand. And it's, that's one thing I had to learn is you have to, you have to pick your crowd because mm. not everyone's going to understand, like, especially because growing up the way I did, you're judged right away. When you tell people that your mom died of AIDS, they're like, whoa, did you get tested? Did you do this? Did you do that? And that, and that was one thing because, like, I was I, – I, when I spoke with people, it wasn't, like, the friendliest, like – I yelled first and then spoke softly, you know, that, that was my, my initial thing was always anger. And I always came off the wrong way, especially like when I was trying to help other people to get over depression at first, I used to be like, what are you doing? Like, just get over it, you know? And I realized like, well, that's not how I just got over it. I had to be patient with people and realize like, all right, well, they're not me. They didn't have the same support that I had, you know? They didn't have numerous people playing the father role because I'm like, oh, my dad was never there, but there were always male role models. I, uh, I, well, Father Benedict, uh, he was a priest back in the day. We used to record him, like his talks and stuff. And I used to listen to the way that he speaks because he speaks. I don't, he's like, he sounded like an angel when he talked, you know, like when he talked, everyone listened and he, and he was smart, you know? And I think when it comes to wording, it's sometimes it's best just to take the high road and just 
you know, not, you can't always put everything out there. You can't, you can't every, you can't, you can't help everybody. And that's, that's the one sad thing you can try, but you have to realize too, like, just like yourself, you got to expect people are, people are going to relapse. People are going to fall and you got to be understanding and, and you got to be willing to put in the work to help anybody because it's a big undertaking. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for people who do that on a daily basis, trying to pull people out of dark places because I know mentally where I'm at in my life, I can only help so many people, but I can't do it on a daily basis because it, it drains you. It takes a special kind of person to to have that in their heart, to, to put other people like that, like before themselves, because it's a full-time job to, uh, mm. to, to try to help somebody sh- to go through it. It's like helping a drug addict, you know, it's unless you're smacking a crack pipe out of someone's mouth, you know, 24 seven, you're going to expect for them to, you know, to fall and you got to be there and have to understand like, all right, what did you do? All right, let me help out. All right. Do you feel stupid now? You know, and if that's how you have to speak to people, like kind of, kind of, uh, kind of not make it a big deal, but at the same time, it is a big deal. If that, if that makes sense, you know, it's like, I, but that's that again, that's me using my humor, you know, like, what did you do? You know, yeah, and it's it sounds silly, you know what I mean? You're like, did you mess up? And they're like, yeah, you know, when I talk to people like that, and it's they know, but they know that's me, you know, they have to understand who the kind of person you are. Hmm. And I think I made my reputation like that, if it makes sense. Did you forgive all the people that hurt you? Do I what? Do you forgive all the people that hurt you? I don't even think about them anymore. So I guess that's a yes. I, uh, sometimes I thank them. Like, you know what? Thank you. Because if you didn't do that, I wouldn't be here. And that's, and that's the truth. You know, if, if I wasn't abused, I wouldn't be as tough as I am now. If I, if I wasn't verbally abused or, you know, physically, like you wouldn't see the signs and it's good to see the signs now as opposed to never seeing the signs because then it, it it hurts more getting hurt now when you're older because your feelings are different. And if some if you let the wrong ones in and they hurt you, heartbreak. I told people, like, I'd rather get punched in the face than have a broken heart because, you know, I could take a punch in the face. But, like, feeling emotional-wise, like, repairing those, that takes a long time. So... Yeah, I like I said, I, I thank them, you know, like, like, you remember when you I remember in the video, you're like, hey, thanks, Mrs. Katzman, you know, look at where I am now. You know, that's, that's one of the things people who said like, hey, you're gonna fail. Thank you for telling me I'm gonna fail. Because look yeah. at me, I have my own house. I have a fish tank with no fish in it. Because that's how I live life. <laughs> yeah, man, listen, I am so like, this whole I choose thing, you know, the, the tagline is you are the lead in your life story. And I am so over thinking too much or caring about like what other people have to say or what I like to call the naysayers, you know, um, this whole, yeah. that's why this, that's why we started this whole entire movement. It's really about reminding people that they are the lead in their life story and that, you know, it be. doesn't, yeah, man, like, you, you know, it doesn't matter what other people think. Um, what really matters is you living to your own fullest potential. Well, that was, that was in the very beginning of the conversation. What I realized I said was when I was younger, I was trying to 
follow someone else's lead that that's how I started this conversation I realized and I'm like I grew up to be my own leader you know I uh I it's like especially joining the army I realized that like people listen to me because I'm on top of my shit mm. like I get my work done I have numerous medals for hard work and I'm like you know I hate talking about it and stuff, but like, yeah, no, I earned those, you know, I've, I've put in the work and, um, not just in the army, but in myself, you know, if, if you don't put the work in yourself, your, your higher ups aren't going to see that, you know? And, and that was one thing where I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like I made it, you know, I, I am my own leader. If, if, if I, I, if I stayed on the path that I was like trying to follow someone else's lead, I'd follow them right into the grave, you know, because that's that's kind of the people in my life that were when I was younger, giving me the directions, you know, they were telling me to cross on the, uh, you know, cross on the green light, you know, the opposite way so I can get hit by a car. That's how it was taught, you know, so your dad had to, <laughs> your dad had to, your dad had to rewire my brain, you know, and uh, he got me this, this snazzy hat. Shout out to Joe Campo. Looking I was going to say, man, looks familiar. Yeah, I bootlegged it. You know, I did what I did when I was a kid. Like when you used to eat something, I'm like, man, that looks good. I bet it tastes good. And he's like, I guess you want some. So at, at that birthday party, it's like, man, that's a nice hat. Let me try it on. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. No, that's funny, man. Your dad's your dad. Your dad saved my life. You know, he did. That yeah, man, a, totally. I told, I told, I told you, Dad, uh, recently. I was like, uh. I don't really, you know, I, I thank God, but you know, I was like, to me, you're God. He's like, no, 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 don't say that. I was like, no, listen, I was like, you're the physical proof. I'm like, when I was down, God didn't come down and say this. I'm like, here was you. He's like, who do you think brought me here? I was like, ah, you know, so yeah. that's what some, I had my come to Christ moments like that, where I realized like, ah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm never too old to learn especially when it comes to faith, you know, I, I have to make sure that stays in the forefront and that I never lose it. Cause I realize if you lose that, yeah, pretty much everything else is going to fall apart after that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my dad knew you wanted the hat. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why you got it. So, um, you know, Matt, I have to say that um, sitting down with you like this and talking after so many years, I mean, it's been, it's been a long time since we've had, uh, a real conversation like this, you know, and here we are doing it live um, on a on a yeah. Facebook live. And I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this up and take some of the best parts and you know put it out all over the internet and stuff. And oh, I just want to tell you, you know how I roll. I, I, I seen did it. <laughs> I just want to tell you, man, like just man to man, heart to heart. You know, I am super proud of like the man that you've become and the direction that you're heading in your life. And you know seeing seeing you mature in the way that you've matured has just been um it's just been a real blessing and it gives me hope because i'm going through my own shit in my life and i feel like you know at different places in, in time we have we're at different stages and the the most important thing that that helps me get through some of my own my own stuff is remembering that like no matter what it is that i'm going through at this moment it's a blip you know it's a blip in the timeline when we look at the whole spectrum here and so I'm really, really grateful that we had an opportunity to speak tonight and just kind of converse and stuff. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure that you said? Um, live life to the fullest. Um, 
just don't don't get caught up in the hoopla you know follow your own path uh, make sure that you know if you're if you're doing good make sure you include other people in there you know don't hog all the glory make sure you you share in your successes you know because people want to see you fail and that's kind of the the world we live in you know they're people don't really like to watch other people succeed you know and I'm so proud of you to you know you you've always had this entrepreneurship this thing you know you've always moved forward starting with Aniche you know your little hat <laughs> little beanies and stuff like that you know they this isn't your first go around come on now, now. people like, don't know that okay yeah well <laughs> bitches be crazy no <laughs> but not uh I just I just want to really like I'm on this show because I said, Mike, please like accept my apology. And he did, you know, it's, and I realized like, that's, that's what people have to find more forgiveness in their heart and be able to take that first step and, and say, sorry, you know, cause you might not think you hurt somebody, but you know, chances are you might've. And if you haven't spoken to somebody in a while that you were close with, be like, Hey, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And check up on them. You know, uh, that's, that's, I guess that's my last advice is, it, check up on people because, you know, like my brother Jim, you never know that might be the last time you speak with them. So you want to make sure that you say, "Hey, everything good?" Because they might be in a dark space and yeah. you might not know. And you might be that you might be that one that one phone call that you know saved somebody's life. So, you know, give the extra effort, even if you don't like speaking with the person. You know, just check up on them because you'll miss them when they're gone. You know, trust me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm super honored that we had this conversation. The big takeaways here are surround yourself with positive people, remove the naysayers. And, um, you know, and if there's somebody you haven't spoke to in a while, relationship, somebody you need to forgive or somebody needs to forgive you, initiate that conversation. Take the first step, no matter what side you are on, on that coin. Right. Also, too. Yeah. And also, too, it's like if you say sorry, and if the person's not willing to accept and you tried numerous times, it might be time to, you know, it doesn't matter how long you know somebody. Sometimes you just have to cut them off because it's, it's not going to bring uh, anything positive to it. And that's what I teach people. It's like, if you, if you can't benefit from people, especially now, like sometimes it's good to be selfish. And if you can't benefit from somebody, if they're not bringing anything to the table, then don't waste your time. And it's time to cut your, cut your losses, you know. Yeah. Someone else is going to someone else is going to take that space. Thank you everybody for listening to the I Choose series podcast. Again, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram at I Choose Series. We're also now on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and a variety of social platforms. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can visit www.ichoose.one. That's ichoose.one because it's one choice that can change our life forever. Don't forget to share this with your family and friends. Thanks so much.